Let me pray for us, and we'll launch into it, and then we'll actually show the real uh, videos here in a second. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you, Lord, uh, for this time, for this day. I thank you for uh, what you're going to do in our lives, in our hearts, in our communities. Lord, I pray that you would um, that you would give us a vision, a clear vision, and a clear idea uh, where you want us to connect and plug in. Uh, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't limit what you can do. We wouldn't limit your possibilities or how you want to surprise us or, or even a group that you want to place us in. But, Lord, I do pray that, uh, like the song said, Lord, I pray that we would come to you with an open heart, with an open hand, and, Lord, that you would have your way, that you would show us uh, what it is that you desire to do in us and through us. And, Lord, I pray, um, I pray for response. I pray for uh, stretching. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would move us past what we're comfortable with, that you'd move us past... Um, maybe a group that we would normally be attracted to. And, Lord, I pray that you would take us uh, into your heart where you desire for us to be so you can do what you want to do. Uh, Lord, use this time. Uh, bless, uh, bless this church. Bless these small groups. In your awesome name we pray. Amen. If you go to uh, Genesis 2, starting in verse 15 going down through 18, it says this. It says, The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. And then in verse 18, and hang on to this one. Verse 18, it says, The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. And obviously, if you've been to weddings before, you've probably heard that in the context of marriage, of a wedding, of he's made this great fit for us with a bride that he desires for us to be with. But I think there's something bigger going on to it than that. I think what he's saying to us is this, is that we are not meant to live this life that he's called us into in isolation. We're not meant to live this life that he's called us into by ourselves, out of our own strength, out of our own might. We're not meant to live this life that he's called us into trying to figure out and guess on our own what it is that he's doing, what he's up to, and, and then also to help us correct and redirect when we kind of stray off course. I think what he's saying is this, is that he says, I want you to be a people. I desire for you to be a people. I've designed for you to be a people that live in relationship, that live in community, that live in fellowship with each other. I've designed you to be a people that help each other know more about my heart and my character. I've designed for you to be a group of people that help each other figure out what I've placed inside them to do and help them walk confidently and boldly forward and do it. And so when you go to Genesis 2.18, you know, we, we, we're familiar and comfortable with this thought or concept that, that God's placed in us this, this God-shaped hole that only he can fill, that only he has room to occupy, that nothing else will satisfy. And, and that's 100% concrete truth, is that they're, they're in our life, our purpose, our singular design is to know him and to make him known, to make much of the one that made us. But I think in 2.18, what you also see is this idea that he's also placed inside of us this this man size or human size hole that he says, I need you to be in community with other people. If you go through the first part of Genesis, through the creation story, time and time again as he, as he throws up light and he throws up stars and he makes land and he divides and he creates and he crafts and he does all of that, time and time again, six times he says, and that's good. And he says, that's good. I made this and, and that's good. And I made this and that's good. And then he kind of, he hits that crescendo where he makes man. And when he makes man, and and he adds it into the mix and the flavor, and he says, that's very good. This is is my masterpiece. That's very good. And so six times he says, 
good, good, good. And he says, that's very good when he makes man. And then in 2.18, he finally comes to a point where he says, that's, that's not okay. He says, what I want you to do is be a people, be a body that's in connection, that's in relationship, that's investing in each other's lives. And I think the point of it is this, is that if you go to James, it's the concept, the notion, the idea that, that faith without works is dead, that you show me your faith and I'll show you the fruit of my faith. And I think that a big part of us being in relationship is evidence of who he is and evidence of his move, evidence of his design in our lives becomes real, becomes substantial and meaty in the context of relationship. And so he says, I've designed you for each other. I've designed you to be in relationship. Think about this with, with the whole Genesis deal. This is pre-Eve. This is, this is pre-Eve, which also means, and, and this is not a slam on, on the ladies, this is pre-Eve, which means this is pre-sin. This is before they've taken the fruit. This is before sin has entered the world. This is a time where Adam has singular, intentional relationship with God. It's him and God alone, and, and they, they are together, and they're walking, and they're talking, and they're sharing time. This is the time, to use the southern vernacular, this is the time when Adam's still naked, and he's not ashamed, and he's walking around, and he says, man, it's you and me, God, and I'm strong, and, and God says, that's, that's not good. There's more that I have to you and for you than just this. Now, I think you get a glimpse also of the danger of, of that relationship when you kind of go through the story as well. The danger of the relationship is that when people bump into people, when people have connectivity with other people, people inherently have flaws. People inherently have weaknesses. And there's this, this risk that's taken that we might not get along. We might not gel. We might lead each other astray. We might lead each other into a place that God says, I don't want you to go there. And what I think is amazingly fantastic about it is this. God says, I'm willing to take that risk. I'm willing to take the risk of you being in relationship with each other. You know, the, the guy in the video says, we're worried about bad theology, so we just avoid theology altogether. God says, I'm not worried about bad theology. I'm bigger than your theology. I'm bigger than your ability to mess it up. I'm bigger than your ability to make bad decisions. I'm bigger than your ability to lead each other in the wrong directions. He says, I'm so confident in the bigness and the goodness of my love. I'm so confident in my grace and my mercy and your ability to grab onto that that I'm willing to take a risk for you to be in relationship with other people that have flaws also. And so I think when he says, I've made you for relationship to build, to grow, to be in connection, to be in relationship, to be in relationship with each other and with me, I think the hard part about modern society is modern society tends to work away from that. Sociologists refer to this idea or notion, this transition that we've made in our lives from being a front porch culture to being a back porch culture. If you go back to the 40s, the 50s, and you look at the designs of houses, it was a front porch lifestyle. Everybody sat on the front porch. The kids played out in the, in the street which was safe, apparently, at that point. And so they're playing out in the street, and they're, and they're hanging out, and, and people are in community, and they're sharing lemonade, and they're having conversations and discussions. And now there may still be a front porch on most houses, but when you look at the front porch, mostly they're empty. Mostly they're barren, and people are hanging out on the back deck. Come check out my new deck and water feature. Come check out this, this patio that I've laid. Come check out my koi pond, because it's fantastic. And we say, I'm going to go to the backyard because I'm tired. I've been working hard all day. 
I, I don't really want to have to have one more conversation. I don't want to have to have one more discussion. I don't want to have to interact with one more. I don't want to have to fake it one more time. I don't want to have to act like I care one more time. I don't want to have to act like I'm interested in your story one more time. And so I'm just going to retreat to, to the back porch. And so they, they talk about this mindset shift of we've gone from a 40s, 50s, let's hang out in the front and have good conversation and share life to a back porch to where I may pick and choose one or two and let you into the Holy of Holies. And, and these are the people that I think I can get along with and people I think I can do life with and the rest of you, you know, you're on your own. And I think that's completely antithesis of what God says. He says, I've designed you for relationship. I've designed you to be in connectivity with others, with each other. If, even if you go to modern technology, modern social technology, which let's talk about, I'm the master of ma modern social media. Nobody owns social media like me. Awful. I, I have entered the realm, which I, I think at one time it may be a blessing, at the other time it's the spawn of Satan. I've entered the realm of Facebooking, which by the way, Let's, let's be honest. Let's have a confessional moment here. Who, is, who has entered this world of Facebooking, this like alter ego world of Facebook? There are some great applications of things. I had a conversation. conversation notice the language there. I had a conversation. No, you didn't. You hid behind a keyboard and you put, num you put buttons. I, I had a conversation with a former football player of mine, a former student who's serving in Iraq right now, who's getting ready to come home. And it's like, man, that's, that's neat stuff. That's good stuff to make a connection. But then I think if you really get into Facebooking and Twittering, anybody a Twitterer, Twitcher, Tweeter, whatever that is, anybody a Twitcher, anybody Twitch, let's, let's go with that. If you Twitch, you qualify. If you're a Twitcher or a Tweeter or in the Twitter world, it's this, you get how many characters? What is it, 140? Is that right? Some people are nodding like, don't ask me, don't call me out. Yes, 140. <laughs> you get 140 characters to share the deepest, most intimate portions of your life at the varsity. Mmm. Man, it's those little nuggets of gold like that that keep you coming back, don't they? Because I care that Hicks pours at the varsity, and I do. But it's like Facebook and Twitter and, and, and all these other forms of technology. I don't even know what the letters are for them, but they're there. But if you, they're all superficial. It's all, I want to get this thin slice without getting too committed and getting too much in the weeds of the details. You know, if, if you go back to it, we can play video games with a headset on, and I can sit in one country and play a video game live with somebody else in another country. Why? Why? When I was growing up, it's rock'em, sock'em robots, and you are one foot away, and if it doesn't go well for you, you're going to take the guy out on your own. You're coming over the board. How many of you were like Electronic Battleship? How many of you had the Electronic bat? Remember that when they really upped the ante on that game? Before it was just the pegs, and then they added that <laughs> sound, and you're like, oh, that's so good. But you're still like one foot away. You're still right there having to deal with the other person. And I think all this modern technology gets this thin slice. I can hide behind a device. I can hide behind buttons. I can hide behind a computer screen. I can, I can be distant without getting messy. I don't want to get messy. I don't want to get too engaged. If somebody gets real serious on Facebook, it's kind of like that everybody doesn't know how to respond. You get that awkward, sorry. Thinking about you. No, you're not. You're moving on to the next news feed to really get into that something that's going to be more enlightening and entertaining. And I think modern media says, 
let's, let, let's get shallow. Let, let's go join the shallow small group where we're not going to get in anybody's business. We're not going to get messy. We're not going to hold each other accountable. We're just going to do life on a super, superficial basis. John 10.10 10 says this. He says, the Lord's speaking. He says, I've come. The enemy comes to, to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. I've come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. I think one of the main tools that the enemy uses to kill, steal, and rob our joy and our satisfaction and our fulfillment, one of the main tools that the enemy uses to create this separation and divide, one of the main tools that he uses to keep us from having that intimate relationship with him is this lone wolf mentality. He wants to separate. He wants to divide. He wants to get you alone or feeling like you can do it on your own. So that way he can have his way. That way you don't get the fullness of the joy. If you watch the Discovery Channel at all, or Animal Kingdom, and you watch the animals attack, you're watching the lions on the Serengeti, or you're watching the, the, the coyotes, or you're watching whatever. Pick your favorite animal that mauls on, on its own. When you watch it, what do they always do? They always chase the pack. Once they get the pack moving, the straggler comes off to the side. Even if it's the strong one, Whoever it is that the straggler comes off to the side, that's who they're going after. And once they get them separated, once they get them isolated, it's game over. It's, watch it. It's gospel. You can YouTube it. Speaking of social media, you can YouTube it and see they're going to separate, divide, conquer, get the lone wolf on the side, even if it's the strong one, and they're going to go after. And so I think one of the main tools that the enemy uses to kill, steal, and destroy is isolationism is get you alone, get you off to the side, and then I can get you. The converse of that is, I've come so that you can have life and have it abundantly. The whole purpose, the whole design, going all the way back to the garden with the lushness and the richness and the fruit and the abundance of the garden, the whole point behind it is this abundant life, these abundant blessings. And so when he says, I've come so that you can have life and have it abundantly, one of the main tools for that is relationship. Abundant living is done within the context of relationship, of satisfying, meaningful, deep relationships. Acts 2, if you're looking for a picture of what we're going for, what we're wanting from our small groups, Acts 2, starting in verse 42, says this. It says they devoted themselves each other. And I'm going to stop and kind of pick this part apart a little bit. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And let's stop for a second and, and set the context of this up. These are the folks who had just been in the upper room. They were in the upper room. They were gathered. They saw Jesus. He gets raised up. We get the ascension. They go and they gather in this upper room. And then it says this tongue of fire came. And then it kind of divides and it rests on each one of them. So individually, they'd had this strong, amazing encounter with the Spirit of the Lord. And they were empowered and they were equipped. And it says that they went out, each of them speaking these languages that they didn't know and great ministry happened, and great life change happened. Thousands came to know the Lord because these people, they gathered, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit individually, and then they went out, and they were difference makers. So that's just happened. And after that happens, that's when this part comes in. So even though they'd had this great experience where they, the Lord moved through them in mighty ways, they still understood, we need to get back together. We need to get back together. We need to get back in relationship where we can continue to, to pray for and nurture and encourage and inspire and, and fan into flame all those gifts. We need to get back together to let him do it again. 
We need to get back together to let him keep moving. And so they're gathered together. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so there was instruction. There was learning. There was knowledge and wisdom being exchanged. It says they devoted themselves to fellowship, which means that they shared life together. It means that they realized that we're in this thing together, that I need you and you need me, and let's do this life together. So they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to breaking of bread. It means they shared a meal. And if you go through and look at the Bible, the moments of sharing meals were these times of intimacy. There were these times of great connection. There were times when there was depth of exchange. There were times when, when value was exchanged. If I care enough to ask you into my home or to sit down with you and share a meal, what that means is I value you. I appreciate you, that you are somebody to me. And so they were there, and they devoted themselves to teaching, to learning, to wisdom. They devoted themselves to fellowship. Let's do life together. I belong to you. You belong to me. We're in this deal together. To the breaking of bread, to sharing these intimate times where values exchanged and acknowledged, and people say, you have worth. You're important to me. And it says to prayer. They, they prayed for each other. They prayed that, that the Spirit would reveal itself, that it would move in mighty ways. They prayed for real healing and wholeness and life change. So if you're looking for a model for what, what's a small group all about, what, what happens in a small group, what happens when bodies and groups get together and say, Let, let's commit to this time, whether it's six weeks or 10 weeks or 12 weeks or 18 months, however long it is that you say we're going to get together, it's we're going to learn. And we're going to exchange knowledge and information. We're going to build from the collective body. We believe that revelation is going to happen through prayer. If I want to understand what his deal is for me, and then I want to be equipped and empowered to do it, I need other people helping me along the way. And so we believe that revelation happens in that prayer when the body gets together. We believe that through fellowship, that, that through spending time together, in Proverbs it says that iron sharpens iron. We, we believe that as the body gathers, that we sharpen each other, that we become more like him, that we understand more of his heart and more of his character. And those rough edges in our lives, those rough parts in our lives, they get chipped away because we're bumping up against other people who love him, who are doing the same, who are going hard after him. And you keep going down from there, and it says, everyone was filled with all many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, if you're gathered together with a body that's seeking hard after him and chasing after him, he's going to show up in a real and a meaningful way. There's going to be a revelation of his character and heart, signs and wonders, miracles, healing can happen. And it says all the believers were together and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. This isn't a push for communism. And they gave to anyone as he had need. And so what that means is this. Whatever is mine, whatever I have, whether it's words of wisdom, whether it's a spirit of encouragement, whether it's a vision for what's happening in the future or it's financial, financial means, whatever it is, you're my people and we're in this together and I'm going to give as you have need. We're going to help each other along the way and grow as we move forward. And it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. And then the final part says, and the Lord added to their number daily who were being saved. And I think that's it. If we want to know him and make him known, if we want to become more like him and then live this life that he's calling us to live, 
we believe as a body. We don't do great programs. We, we don't do all these different gadgets and bells and whistles. What we believe in is that real discipleship, becoming more like him, happens within the context of intentional relationship. That we're going to be together and we're going to spend time together beyond Sunday mornings, beyond corporate worship, beyond corporate teaching, and we're going to say, let's do this thing. Let's launch forward. If you want to impact your world, if you want to change your Marietta, whether it's Smyrna or Marietta or East Cobb or Atlanta or Buckhead or Parts Unknown, if you're from Parts Unknown, wherever that is, we think that you can change your world through intentional relationship. And so what we're going to do is we're going to show you all of, uh, before that, there's a slide. I think we can kind of sum up what we're going for with our small groups in this easy-to-follow slide. And what, 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 I want, what I want you to notice in this, I didn't notice it until this morning, by the way, and we showed this at the small group leader training. He didn't just have a sombrero on. He went full Monty. He has the poncho on and some kind of, like, necklace. I, I hope that's a poncho. I hope that was part of the costume. It's a shirt? So you cut the sleeves off intentionally. It's not a poncho. No, I think it's a, um, uh, <laughs> so David just calls this Tuesday. So in our small groups, here's kind of what we're going for, what we want. We want to see discipleship happen. We want each other to become more like him, to grow in our knowledge and understanding. We want to hold each other accountable, which means that we want to get a little messy. We, want, we don't want to be afraid to ask or answer the hard questions. We want there to be transparency and vulnerability. Vavoom, by the way, and we, we said this at the leaders meeting, if you have a better word that starts with the help, because I have nothing, there were several options offered up at the leaders meeting. We're going to leave those there. If you were at the leaders meeting, you know why. But vavoom, I think what that means is this. We want to be people that encourage each other, that support each other, that they give each other motivation and, and, and give them words of, of Scripture that speak to their heart and move them forward. We want to be intentional about our relationship. Intentional, the first part of it, is intent. There's a reason that we're gathering, and it goes beyond chips and salsa. There's a reason that we're gathering, and it goes beyond we're going to laugh a lot and have a good time. We want to be intentional about getting into his word and knowing more about his heart and learning more about each other. And we want to be a people of increasing depth. He's a God of increasing depth. He's a God of increasing move. We want to be a people that do the same and follow him. So off of that, we're going to go into the uh, videos. By the way, remember, these are highly trained professionals. Don't attempt this at home.
Scott Wilford, and I want to talk to you about a very serious issue. 
Now, the good news is that's been preserved for all of eternity on YouTube. So if you uh, need something to feel better about your life and you want to go back and revisit that, you can go back in there. Oh, I'm sorry. Dick Wanell, the Sons of Thunder, quick excerpt. Dick Wanell. <laughs> Fantastic. I had, uh, <laughs> I, I had hair envy there for a second. A um, couple, couple things, adding, as you're going down your list here, that you're, pull, pull this sheet out, please, that you were uh, sitting on, hopefully got, didn't get wedged. But uh, on this sheet, a couple of additions or explanations, crazy love, the uh, Top one will be the Eldridges, Tanners, and uh, Bill and Meredith Dykes. So the Eldridges, Tanners, and Dykes will be uh, doing that one. Women's group, as it's listed on this sheet and on your half sheet, that is uh, Charlene Payne's group, the uh, Names of God in the Bible. So make sure you, you note that. Um, the Messy Spirituality group that uh, Alan and Maggie are going to be leading, I, I would say this about that group. It's kind of the... If you're trying to figure out, I'm not, I'm not really a Christian, I'm not really in the boat, I'm trying to find a reason to say yes, or I'm trying to find a reason to say no, that's a great group for you, not the no part, the yes part. 
that's a great group for you. If you are, I've been a Christian for a little bit, but I'm still trying to figure out some of these ideas that are a little baptism. I don't really get the whole communion thing. I don't get. That's a great group for you. Um, and if you are, you know, I'm, I'm in the boat, but there's all kinds of holes in it, and I'm losing, and I'm sinking fast because I'm taking on water. That's a great group for you. So that's what messy spirituality is. Uh, on the back, uh, poof, which is the Wednesday night. I'm 20-ish. I am early 30s. I'm out. Of, basically, it's I'm out of high school, and I'm 20s to early 30s. We're going to do uh, that four-week rotation, and like I said, it's open to it's singles, it's couples. It's I'm going to be married. I am married. I have kids. I don't have kids. Doesn't matter. That's that Wednesday night group with the four-week rotation. And if you figure out what POOF stands for, you get a free uh, 1997 Honda Accord. Just see David Eldridge to collect. So uh, POOF is right there. And that should be it for this card. Kind of the procedure of it is this. You're going to go down, put your name, information. If you have kids, uh, make sure you put their names and ages down for the child care. Uh, put your email. Make sure it's legible. If your handwriting is like mine, have somebody else do it for you. Uh, but fill out the top part of it, then you're going to pick the group that you want to commit to and say, I want to be a part of this. Let me kind of allay some fears. Uh, some of you are, I really don't have a lot of time. I'm not sure I can make this long-term investment or commitment. Some of the groups are kind of easy access. There's seven weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks. So if you get in there and it's just like a debacle, you can get out. Or if you get in there and you're like, I, I have to miss a week here or there, some of those are easier to uh, get in and out of. Um, I'd also say this, one of the biggest fears that keeps people from joining a small group is I don't know who's going to be in there, I don't know who's leading it, and I'm worried about the people. Let's be honest, even as grown folks, we're insecure, and we're worried about having a friend and who we're going to sit at lunch with. I would say this, in that group that you get involved with, there's probably going to be uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. There's going to be good people that you instantly connect with, that you have great friendships with, that they're your, there's a good fit there, and you get along well, and it's easy conversation. There's going to be some bad from your standpoint that you don't necessarily connect with or get along well with, but you're still in community together, and then there's going to be the ugly in turn, not physically, because we're the prettiest church in Marietta, but there's going to be the ugly there in terms of there are people going through stuff in life. All kinds of people are going through all kinds of stuff in life. So when you come into one of these groups, there's going to be people you fit with, you connect with, you click with. There are going to be those that are like, not necessarily. And there are going to be some that are like, I'm almost coming off the rails or I'm completely in the gutter and I need somebody to do a little life with me and help me get, get back out of this thing. I, I would say this, if you're trying to get a picture of it, go to the disciples in the Bible. Go to the people that Jesus hung out with, that he spent his time with. That's what your small group's going to look like people that you easily connect with, people that you don't have a connection with necessarily, and people that need some getting out of the gutter. You may be the, you may be the ugly part of that. Your life may be coming off the rails, and you're like, I don't want to dump this junk into a small group. Yes, you, you, you do. Where, what, are you going to keep doing it on your own, trying to fix it on your own? Get into a small group and let some other people do life with you. Okay? If you're new, this is a great connecting point if you want to learn more about the church and our heart for you. This is a great place to get connected and involved in that. So I'm going to pray for us. Bo's going to play a, a short song. I would ask you to do this. Before you pick a group, because there's a couple different ways you can pick a group. I like the name. I like the person that's leading it. Or I like the night. That's okay, too. I would say this. Don't check this off. Take a song. 
and let's pray about it. Let's think about it. Let the Lord kind of reveal to you. I, I think some of us are in a boat where we need to be stretched, where my heart instantly would be gravitated towards this person because I know them and that's an easy connection. I think some of us are at a point where we need to be stretched. That's not necessarily my age group. I don't really know that person that's leading it. That seems a little bit awkward. Now, I will say if you're a male, stay away from the women groups. But other than that, there are some things that you need to be stretched a little bit in and get connected in some groups that may challenge you a little bit. So that's the caveat. I'm going to pray for us. Bo's going to play one song. I'll come up and give you some closing instructions, and then uh, we'll go. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you, Lord, uh, for this time, for this opportunity. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would make it clear in our hearts and our minds uh, what you desire for us to do. Lord, I do know this, that you want us to be in community with each other. You want us to do life with each other. You want us to, to not be afraid to get messy. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us a boldness and a courage to step out. Lord, that when you start to stretch, I pray, I pray that we would respond and go. Uh, Lord, do what it is that you're going to do. So here's uh, so what you're going to do. You're going to put your name on this, check the group uh, that you want to want to commit to and be a part of, and in the back, uh, Kim, where's the basket? Baskets in the on that table in the back, and so we'll get all of your information to the small group leaders. So fill this out. You place it in the basket on the back. The small group leaders that are here are going to come around front. So if you have questions about a group, want to know more about it. Um, you can ask them directly. If their leader isn't here, come and ask me or David, and we'll direct you where you need to go. Um, but uh, check this off in the basket on the way out.